is the Becoming Epic Podcast. Becoming Epic. Epic isn't a word that we're just saying. Becoming Epic. Every person is courageous. Fitness became a blessing. It's my secret weapon. I'm living every second motivating you to become epic. Welcome back to the Becoming Epic Podcast. My name is Adam Berezowski and I am your courage coach. Man, I'm going to say that a thousand more times. Um, So welcome to today's episode. I know last week I touched upon that I was going to have a guest on with me. And a few weeks ago, somebody asked me who were some of my biggest influences in my life and in my journey. And most people go to like the social media influencers or the people in the famous people in their said industry. And I couldn't think of many besides a lot of my clients and their stories that have inspired me through my journey and helping me overcome some of the things that I have, watching them overcome the things that they have. And so I'm going to introduce to you this amazing, amazing woman. She's been with me, part of Epic for the last six years. Uh, When she signed up with us, she signed up for a Spartan Sprint and directly from the Spartan Sprint signed up for a Spartan Ultra. So the Sprint is a 5K. The Ultra is a 50K. So you know that this girl's journey is batshit crazy. Um, And she since then has just competed in multiple endurance events. Um, she has not only changed her life and then the lives of our clients also being a impactful person in our tribe. So Christina, I don't even know how to say your last name, right? Delate. Delate. I don't know. I always call it like Delatre, <laughs> Delatru, whatever it is. Yeah, it's I don't okay. Know. Everybody just, or Delatte. People say Delatte all the time. Delatte. Mm-hmm. Del- Ooh, it sounds like Latte. <laughs> um, so yeah, so her journey is definitely amazing. Um, her whole theory is, or I guess her, her tagline is from obese to ultra. And I want to share her journey because it's been amazing. And so let's take it back from the very beginning and where you started and Okay. Well, first I feel so honored to be here with you, Adam, and you are truly one of my inspirations. So if I were to be asked a question, I would say Adam is someone that I inspire um, to basically compete with and to do it a little better than he does. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) There is this running thing. She has ran out of all of our clients. She has run the most mileage at one consecutive time. She did a 62 mile. Yeah, 100K. 100K. And I'm now up to 38 miles, which I did for my birthday. And she still slaps on my face at I ran farther. So that competitive (laughs) edge is there. Um, But to get to where she is today has been amazing. So we'll go from there yeah no um so it really honestly goes all the way back if I'm going to start um it was probably after I got married and kind of lost my identity for a little bit because marriage can do that to you um the first couple years were very challenging I started um we're so I'm taking you all the way back so I started actually kind of uh drinking too much and um Went down a different lifestyle within my marriage, uh, where alcohol really become my daily friend versus fitness, um, and was just drinking every single day. And, um, then found myself putting on a lot of weight because what do you do when you drink? You end up just eating and indulging and just sitting around your house and being a lazy bum, which basically is the truth. Okay. So that's what happened with me. Um, So about two years into my marriage, I started to, well, actually what happened was, is I found sobriety. 
Um, so I want to say that because I'm kind of, kind of laying out everything for you guys. So you kind of understand my story because this is such a big part of my journey. Um, that's why I'm kind of taking you back. And that was 17 years ago. So then when I found my, um, that basically I put myself in a program to get sober, was put into a outpatient program called Genesis, which was life-saving. I kind of got to a place where I was just so broken and I knew that I needed to make a change. Um, and so that's kind of where my change started happening. Taking you there is really important. Um, and then I had a baby and didn't know what would come with having a baby. Postpartum depression is real. Started going down the journey of depression. And then that's where I sat on my couch and literally ate everything in my house. Nice. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sat in my house, ate whatever I wanted to, um, and just was pregnant. After I had the child, kind of still had those bad habits of just eating too much. And, um, you know, they ended up, diagnosing me with postpartum depression. A lot of women struggle with that. I'm sure there's women even um, in our gym, and I'm sure there's somebody listening to this right now that struggles with postpartum depression. After a child, it can be very, very serious. And I remember actually, and I probably will go here because I feel like somebody could relate to this. I was one of those people that wanted to put literally a pillow over my child's head. Like Mm. I had not slept for 10 days, and I was literally seeing demons. Demons were like coming in to my room, like talking to me and it's a real thing. And I remember telling my husband, you need to either take me to the hospital or I'm going to do something that's not going to be good. And so when I walked into the hospital door, they basically, the doctor said, I am so grateful that you came here because most women, when they start having those thoughts, they don't come in. You don't hear that story. You hear the other story where it's already like happened. And so, yeah, that's how depressed it was. Um, But like what was... The moment, like the baby was crying, just not sleeping. I couldn't well, handle like... this crying, and I wasn't sleeping. And actually, um, I had had gestational diabetes while I was pregnant, and I had to give myself shots four times a day. It has nothing to do with me. It actually is the baby what the baby gives out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went into labor, um, they had me labor for uh, for four days, which was very traumatic. Wow. They don't normally do that, but they just were trying to have the baby come naturally. I ended up with an emergency C-section, but for four days, they came in, checked my blood every hour because of my diabetes, so I couldn't sleep. I wasn't sleeping. Oh, my God. Yeah, so by the time the baby came, I hadn't been sleeping, so it really was sleep-deprived, which is such a real thing. Mm-hmm. You hear people going days and days without sleeping, and they go insane, Yeah. and that's basically what was happening, so by the time the baby came home, I had already not been sleeping, so my mind had already was on this, like, running Um where it just wouldn't shut down. And then there's a screaming baby in the background and I had no tolerance for wow. it. Wow. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So about a week into it, it's probably about a week into it. Um, I realized that my thoughts were not like literally my own because I know that I would never want to, I mean, that baby is such a gift now, you know, she's older, obviously she's almost 14, but, um, I've never thought I would have been that, that mom. Um, and so we sit in silence as mothers, a lot of times thinking that we're going to disappoint or, um, a lot of times shame comes in. Like, I'm not being a good mom. Like I'm the worst mom. How could I feel this? I want to put a pillow over my child's head. Like, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that's what keeps us back from going. Yeah. I think like one thing that I talk about is like pivotal moments in people's lives where it's hard to adapt and it's hard to shift. And, you know, like there's having a child, like I went through it too. I gained being a father. I didn't even give birth and we had a traumatic (laughs) birth as well. Um, 
but like learning how to pivot to this new phase of life mm-hmm. and especially dealing with postpartum because I don't know what, I mean, I've deal with depression, but there's a difference in depression and the levels of it, especially after having a baby. Cause it's like, Oh, it's this God's gift of life. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have like these thoughts of like, like, Hey, I couldn't picture my life without it, but then life would be so great without it because then I could sleep. I can have, mm-hmm. you know, a normalcy and it's just not normal anymore. So that's, uh, I, I do think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, and just don't face it, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. that's pretty admirable of you to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I, it was a couple different dark places in my life. So I got to that dark place of the, this, you know, and then got sober and then a couple years I get pregnant. And then after having the baby, I go through this, you know, another dark place. And I, I thought I was done with those dark places. I thought, oh, I'm going to have the baby. And it's just going to be like joy and we're going to love this. It's going to be perfect. And yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> Always, they don't teach yeah. you that when you're like going to those classes. Yeah. You know, they don't teach you that. No, so. they teach you how to swaddle yeah. and wrap burritos the way that burritos should yeah. be wrapped, swaddling yeah. a baby. Yeah, they're yeah. not like, this could be one of the darkest places in your life that you've ever <laughs> been. Like, I went to such a dark place. And honestly, even after they tried, I, I got on medication. And even when I got on the medication... Um, it took a while to make sure the medication was okay. And I've never, I'm very outgoing, very personable, always ready to encourage the next person. And it literally, my personality went from like that person to like, like just laying on a couch. So depressed. Like I remember just laying with my baby on top of me and just like, this is the worst miserable decision. I, I don't know if I made the right decision. Like, can I put the baby back inside of me? <laughs> yeah. What's the return policy? <laughs> yeah. Is there a return? Yeah, exactly. Like what a horrible way to feel. Like yeah. I'm like, there's moms that are like, Oh, and they're like out there. Oh my gosh. The best thing. And I'm like, they're liars. All of them are liars, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now with this moment, right. Being, cause you were overweight at the time. Yeah. So at that moment I actually did what happened was once I got on the medications, I started like walking more and getting outside. And I've always loved, I act, believe it or not, I've always loved nutrition and I always loved, um, some form of working out, whether it was just walking or, you know, just, I did go to gyms and stuff. Um, but I think in that season, uh, I, once they put me on medication, that's what I wanted to say was they ended up putting me on an anti-anxiety medication that actually you're mm. not supposed to stay on for too long. The doctor that put me on it was like, you'll probably be on it for 30 days. Cause I had not been sleeping and they had to put me to sleep. And I ended up getting addicted to the anti-depression medicine. Mm. And that set, once that set in, it really kind of made me lazy. Like I would just take them all day long because I have an addictive personality and, just to handle like being a mother and I became addicted to that anti-anxiety medication at the time. Um, and it literally, I can fast forward a little bit. It wasn't till my second child when I had my second child where now I knew what to expect. They said you could probably go through postpartum again, just get on medication right away when you have, but I actually was taking the anti-anxiety medication with my second child when I was pregnant. She ended up having to be put on it in the beginning because she her lungs weren't fully developed i had her early wow yeah so talk about another trauma right okay so i'm and i'm kicking myself well here i go again like i did this to the baby like but at the time the doctor said you may have to live the rest of your life they were giving it to me while i was pregnant and then she had to get on it because she was having like anxiety which is just crazy yeah yeah absolutely crazy and yeah go ahead well no i think it's you know I always talk about trauma and how it affects us moving forward. And, you know, um, 
you know, met, you know, we talk, we hear about those, I think the drug babies that Mm -hmm. come out and we don't realize that it's not just the bad drugs Mm -hmm. that are out there. It's the drugs that are there to help us, Mm -hmm. you know, and I always think that like exercise is the number one prescription drug out there, right. for anything and nobody, no doctors like here, I'm going to prescribe you to go work out. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always just, here's this pill. Here's this anti-anxiety or anti-depression. Um, because they get those things out like clockwork. Mm -hmm. It's, it's insane on, cause I've been on every antidepressant pill in my past and they never fix a problem. It only blanketed it. And so taking that trauma. Okay. So now you're two child, two children in. Yeah. So basically after my second child, I remember how miserable I was. And fortunately I found a doctor who was within this system of doctors that actually said to me, that doctor lied to you. You don't have to be on this medication the rest of your life. Do you want to get off the medication? And this was probably two weeks into having a newborn baby. And I was scared because remember I went through that postpartum, but she was like, no, you need a medication that actually, um, at the time she's like, you need a medication like a Prozac or something that, that helps with the anxiety and the depression, not like something that every day you're taking, you know, um, which was, I think it was called lorazepam just for those that are listening. And if you're, if you yourself are struggling, you know, you know, so anyways, um, and so I ended up, um, saying, yeah, if you can help me. And she put me in a, another program, here I go again, in another program where there were people that were addicted to different things. Um, and I ended up winging myself off of it, got off of it. And this actually was really where the turning point was because now we're talking about like five years on that medication wow. because it was like my older one was five years old and I was still on that medication. Wow. Yeah. So this was the turning point for me because at this point I become morbid obese, laying on a couch, taking anti-anxiety, thinking that's just the way my life is. But I knew there was more because every day I would say to myself, I'd like look in the mirror and I would be like, you're skinny, you're beautiful, you're perfectly made, you know, you're strong, you're, you're, you know what I mean? I would speak these things, but then the person looking back at me was obese you know but I knew who I was in there it's almost the opposite you know how sometimes you dream and you're like shoot there's that fat person again or whatever (laughs) like I was dreaming the opposite I was seeing like skinny me you know well I think it's you know you're you're painting the picture of your future right the whole Mm -hmm. manifesting right because I'm now in the best shape of my life and I look in the mirror sometimes I'm like hey look at that fat ass you (laughs) know like yeah it's and I'm you know 15 years into my journey and haven't been that in a long time but it's it's that trauma that it's left to you but you know having that positive mindset I think that really has painted your picture to where you're at now you know and I think Mm -hmm. without that belief of knowing that you're not this person or the person that you are at that moment is not your defining yeah you know like future yeah then this is you know you're painting the opportunity of what you actually manifested yeah yeah for sure for sure so um at that point Um, I spent two weeks on my mother-in-law's couch laying there because I didn't want to be alone because the medication, when you get off of stuff like that, it's like getting off of like a heroin or something, right? I mean, it's, you physically, you can't move, you feel sick, you feel, it's just decapic. It's, it it just tells you how bad that is for your body because if you're having that style of withdrawals, like that's something you shouldn't be doing. And so I started, um, to get off of that. And then I ended up talking with my doctor and I was like, I need to get into like a weight loss program or something. Like I, once I could see clearly, like the cloud had lifted, 
Like I literally, like you could, that just tells you how the doctors manipulate us. Yeah. They put us on medications. They make, they're the ones making us obese, right? Yeah. Like here I am on the medication for five years, putting on another 70 pounds with my baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and I yeah. And so he started taking me down the direction and giving me, um, tools that could help me. And I found my motivation, um, and started losing weight and went on my weight loss journey. And that took the next, you know, few years, um, of just dedication before I came into Epic. Um, cause I had already, you know, hit some of those goals. Um, and I actually had not been doing physical activity, which was interesting. I was doing, you know, hikes here and there walking and stuff, but I mainly just focused in on the nutrition and, um, started losing the weight. Um, once I started losing the weight, um, that's where, uh, and I guess, can I talk a little bit about Arbon and, or what? what yeah. I mean, use, t- you know, talk about the tools that, you know, yeah. definitely helped you become successful. Yeah. So basically, um, as I started losing the weight, as I started doing, um, the program that was suggested to me and following that, um, you know, every week checking in every week, weighing in, you know, having accountability, um, as that started happening for me, um, I, I just felt like, there was a, it was actually kind of cool because it was at an Arbonne event, actually. And there was a lady there that just spoke on the stage and she inspired the crap out of me. First of all, I kept seeing Epic Fitness like posted everywhere, like, which was weird. I felt like it was like a sign. Well, first of all, like I had friends that were working out here at the time. They had been posting it. And then I would see it like places in, in Simi Valley because we're in the Simi Valley area. Um, and I kept seeing Epic Fitness, almost like it was like this sign. I kept saying, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Like, I'm supposed to go there. Um, you know? We will hunt you down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it was really cool because I had a friend at the time who we were kind of doing, you know, some walking or hiking together. But I just felt like there was something more that I wasn't tapping into. Um, and I just started my Arbon journey at the same time. So it, Arbon is a health and wellness company. For those that don't know, we focus on helping people find nutrition products and through 30 day challenges and some different things. So that's a little touching on it. Um, if, and obviously if you want more information, you can talk to me, but anyways, I had to say that, um, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but, um, so I started doing that. I started doing the nutrition. I started feeling so amazing on the nutrition. Like the energy was off the hook. And the funny thing was, is I was on ADD medication for 22 years of my life. That was another medication I was on. Wow. And because just putting pure products in my body, I started feeling weird on the ADD medication. Like I was like, this feels weird. Mm. And just by nutrition itself, I cured, not cured because you can't ever cure ADHD. You have it. It is what it is. But started feeling more focused, felt more control over that finding tools that were healthy, mm-hmm. you know, there's healthier ways than medication. Well, it's funny. I was diagnosed with ADHD. God, I was like eight, nine and was on Adderall, was on Ritalin, mm-hmm. um, Ativan, I think. No, not Ativan. That's a depressant. Um, I think Ativan, they use it too. M- maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I was on like every new prescription yeah. that came out. I was yeah. like, here, just try this one. Um, and it wasn't until, well, I started slinging my Ritalin to then purchase my weed that, uh, cause I ended up smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. Um, been there, you know, that. to yeah. actually help me with my riddle, my, um, ADHD and my focus to calm me down, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, it's funny Ritalin and all those other ones didn't help at all. Um, and it wasn't 
until I started putting pure food and like mm-hmm. nutrition into my body that I now I take nothing like I'm on zero medication mm-hmm. for anything. Um, and you don't realize that f- the quality of the food matters, the, um, either organic or not just whole food, you know, the cleanliness of it. And then the chemical based of it, of foods and the quality of it these days are, um, very, you know, you don't realize how much it affects you. Yeah. How toxic yeah, it is. Very toxic. You're like putting toxins in your body and you think you're, you know, yeah, it's just super toxic. You know, all the, the fast food, all the, um, what they, what they perceive for you is healthy. Yeah. The, the diet ring, the, mm-hmm. um, you slim know, fast. Slim, Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Scratch it, but <laughs> yeah. scratch that. I didn't say that. But yeah. Um, examples. Totally. But there's so many tools out there that are like, you know, supposed to help somebody out. And this is the difference between a diet and nutritional mm-hmm. habits, right? Cause people mm-hmm. think about dieting as like restrictive or, you know, sticking to a plan for 20, 30 pounds, whatever that goal is. And then to go back to eating normal food, but then going back to eating the normal food that got you there in the first place is not normal, right? Mm-hmm. Because it got you to, you know, I talk about this a lot where most clients that have seen weight loss are like, well, I was successful when I did this, but then they're heavier. Then I'm like, well, you weren't successful because you're heavier, right? Yeah. I thought that was so good. You told me that the other day and I thought that is such a good like point. I mean, it's one thing to go up 10 pounds, 15 pounds and then, oh, I got to go back down. Right. But it's another thing when you're like 50, 60 pounds yep. and you're like, what happened? Yeah. It's like you take these short term sacrifices and they do not yield long term results, mm-hmm. you know? And like, mm-hmm. I always talk about this. If in order to change your life, you literally have to change everything about your life, how you shop, how you eat, how you sleep, how you, you know, spend time with family. I mean, everything, who you involve yourself with, your community of people. Cause like, if everybody's like, oh, we're going out drinking tonight, you're going to go out drinking. If you're always going out to dinner. Like if your family is like that, like my family likes to celebrate, but I'm now my family comes to my house and I cook, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm, now I have mm-hmm. control over the things that I put in my body versus always going out to dinner. And, um, yeah. And I think that a true, true health is you taking care of your health, yeah. right? Versus going to a doctor and be like, hey, I need help. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I'm, you know, which, yes, sometimes you need that extra oomph, right? But only have it for a short period of time because it's not the question. It's not mm-hmm. the it's not the final answer to your question. And I think that's why the doctors don't, even though I had a doctor that did help me in the season that I went through, um, I still needed to find the nutrition and the education Mm -hmm. so that I could continue on because that's such a good point because if I didn't seek out the education and the nutritional education, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I would just gain back the weight, but because I sought out further than just, you know, two shakes a day and a health and a meal. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's just not sustainable. No, it's so, not, mm-hmm. but you could lose a hundred pounds on that. If you really <laughs> stuck to it every day. Right. You can. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm a witness to that, but when I got to it, then I started seeing, Oh my gosh, this weight's like creeping back on kind of quickly. Like, what do I do now? Like you, okay, I can do this quick thing, Yeah. but now what do I do? And so it really is, it's, a, it, sometimes people want a quick fix fix and I'm not saying that it hasn't worked for people, but then what do you do that's going to be sustainable? That's going to bring in a maintenance and a way of living of life, right? Yeah. But you're also combating like your addictive personality. So like a lot of people will, you know, I come from a background of addiction and Mm -hmm. addictive personality and, you know, I get very obsessive with certain things. And like when you have a, you know, that sense of like accomplishment, then you want more of it. Right. But then in the sense even like right now, I always say like I'm addicted to exercise to the point where it's unhealthy, 
you know, because it's like, it is my medication, but it's also to the point where I don't want to injure myself. Yeah. To, or I don't want to injure myself, but in this season where I'm at and people look at me like I'm crazy, like you're addicted to exercise. Like it is a true addiction. Mm -hmm. Like I literally Mm -hmm. can't sleep if I don't work out. Oh, I, yes. I'm like, I'm going to go out for a walk. Like it's two o'clock in the morning. I got to get my (laughs) 10,000 steps in. Right. Like it's ridiculous. Like you think you're turning into a blimp. Like if you miss a day. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Psychological. Yeah. But that's that, you know, like where I, you know, I do talk about the 80, 20 rule and it's funny because like in order to find that, right, mm-hmm. you have to maybe get to 100% in something and then scale back on it because you don't know what success truly looks like if you don't give it 100% and then figure out how to balance that and manage that in a lifestyle that's sustainable. You know, and that's where a lot of people like, you know, I can't tell you how many times people are like, oh, I've, the doctor prescribed me a weight loss pill, weight loss pill, mm-hmm. weight loss pill. I mean, there's it's so easy to then find somebody who's a, capable of doing that Right. Sure. But then once that pill's gone, yeah, you still have the same shitty habits. Yeah, you, you that's know. just a tool. Totally. And 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 it, it it can help. Yeah. But what do you do after the pill is gone? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's you know with where your you know going back to your journey with you know addiction mm-hmm. and finding I always say harmony because I hate balance. It's finding the harmony of what's going to work for you and then your specific goals now. Because now what's your total weight loss up to this point? Like well, how much? Uh, like 130 pounds. Yeah. So to then now keep that weight yeah. off because that's a ton of baggage. That's a ton of history, a ton of baggage. right? Oh, a ton of, I'd never want it back. You know, a ton of sadness, ton of yeah. depression, right? And yeah. like looking in the mirror, saying that you're beautiful, but then you're looking at somebody who's morbidly 130 obese. 130 pounds, yeah. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's Bigger, that yeah. level of morbidly obese. And then now to where you're currently at, which has, you know, I think the last six years that me and you have spent together here, it's like we both have been up and down sure. 10, 15, yeah. whatever pounds. Yeah. Um, but we've always, we found the sustainable way to continue to find excitement in training for events and, uh, and allowing our body to now pay us back. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and even it's funny you said that, sorry, when you said events, because I was thinking about that, there'll be times where I'll train for a big race and I will just trim down. Mm-hmm. But when the race is over, Sometimes that trimming down isn't really like... Give me that pizza. Yeah. Or, or no, it's not even like a practical... I don't know, because you're, you're doing so many miles that you lose the weight in the miles. So when it's over... Yeah, but it is give me that pizza. But when it's over, it's like, how do you stay at that place? Um, you know, it's, sometimes it is a 10 to 15, like we said, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. I think people really kill themselves over 10 to 15 pounds, but just don't let yourself go over the 10 to 15. Yeah. Like my mom always said, she would hit a certain number. And when she hit that, she knew she needed to start trimming back down. Yeah. Well, I think for me and my experience with big endurance events Mm -hmm. is post-race depression. It's basically Mm -hmm. like a postpartum, right? It's like, you know, I can't talk about pregnancy, but for pregnancy, you're pregnant for nine months and then you push out a baby and then it's like the baby's here, but then the pregnancy and the excitement, it's all over, right? It's, you go through the same thing, at least in my experience of, you know, after the Ironman, I went through like a four month, like deep depression, which then spiraled me into like the 2018 panic attack world, yeah. um, which I didn't, I didn't actually now, now that I even just said that, like it probably stemmed from Ironman because of how massive that event was, how much I trained for. I trained for basically nine months. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave birth on the day of the event. It was 12, 14 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a lot. It, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And then to go from that to then like the red carpet being rolled up and 
put away. And then it's like, now what? Who am I? Who do I identify yeah, as? Yeah, the wedding is over. To- totally, <laughs> You right? know what I mean? Now the real life starts. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but that, that again, like I had to go through that dip in my, and it was a bad depression, like real bad, mm-hmm. to where I ended up in the hospital being, mm-hmm. you know, with panic attacks. Um, thank God I didn't go down an addiction route because mm-hmm. easy to I do. can see easy, a lot of drinkers going in and start pounding the beers or whatever it is. I'm a whiskey guy, so pounding the whiskey. Um, you know, then to like, who are you next moving forward? Right. Okay. So now to this point, um, you've, our bond has been a, yeah, so a tool. I was going to say, um, so what happened was, is I was, I kind of, kind of skipped that. I went to an event. I saw a lady on the stage. She was sharing and she was an athlete. Um, she actually helped people on the biggest loser and stuff. So she was kind of awesome. well-known athlete and I saw her up there and she basically took the stage and just started speaking and she had her kids come out and they were like athletes. And she was just, I don't know. I felt like it was the spirit in her you know, I always say, we, they say namaste, right? Well, that means the spirit in me greets the spirit in you. Well, that's literally what happened right then. It was like her spirit, you know, what she was moving in. And um, some people call it the Holy Spirit, right? Um, literally basically brought conviction that I was, yeah, this is great. You're eating this nutrition. It's bringing you energy. You're feeling great, but there's more to the next level. And then it's almost like epic ringed again in my ears. And then that was it. When I got back from that retreat, um, and felt like something was imparted to me from her, just who she was, her being, how strong she was, how motivated she was, how she was making a difference, how she was inspiring others. It spoke so strongly to me that I knew I could never be the same. Um, like I said, I believe things get imparted to you and it did that day. I walked into Epic Fitness and I remember walking in here and thinking, okay, they were all like, you guys were all like training for different races, doing different things. And I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. Like, that's just like where my mentality what went. What are you saying? <laughs> just kidding. No, I swear. Yeah. Like, I was literally thinking at the time, like, because, yeah. you know, it was just like normal people who were just like inspiring to be better and just to like, um, like what was the next thing that they could actually do that they thought they never could do. And that is what encouraged me about Epic. And I've been to other gyms, but I've never been to a gym where you walk in and they're like, Hey, by the way, you could totally like do this 5k with us right now. Oh, by the way, yeah, you could do an ultra. No worries. (laughs) We gotcha. You know what I mean? It was just like, that was it. Like I had people rooting for me, cheerleaders in the very minute I walked in the door there were already people cheering for me and believing in me. And, and that's the type of person I am. I always believe in people. And I was like, okay, this is like Kendra spirit. Yeah. We, and that's Adam <laughs> that I'm speaking of. So I am your kindred spirit. Yes. He's my kindred spirit. Love that. I love to be your kindred spirit. Well, I, you know, my, I, you know, with my, I, I guess, weight loss journey and where I've come, you know, it's like, I never thought one day I would ever run for one, my fastest mile in high school was like 22 minutes. And it was actually faster running from the, uh, the locker room to the handball court. So I can smoke, bef- smoke weed before my next class. Mm-hmm. So I'd run faster there, um, or ditching school. That's where I would run or jumping walls right? or jumping walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which then func- I've done it. Functionality- Cops are coming. Cops are coming. <laughs> totally. Uh, that goes function into Spartan race. Right. Um, yep. you know, then to like proving that, or believing in myself that anything is possible, right? Because it's like, I do have these people. And it started with a client that ran a marathon. I think I told somewhere in my podcast, I talked about this, where 
who challenged me to run my first marathon, she was like, uh, she ran, I came out to watch her run and then she finished. And the first thing she said to me is, I bet you can't do that. And I was like, well, here goes yeah, my ego. Yeah, I bet you ego. I can, right? And then I signed up and then, mm-hmm. you know, I ran my first marathon and that sucked because it hurt so bad. But then I was like, you know what, if, if I could run 26 miles and then like it just has been a super obsessive addiction, I guess I'll say. It's definitely an addiction. It is. I mean, yeah, people come in here in my, my hallway of medals and they're like, oh, is that your whole gyms? I'm like, no, those are all mine. Yeah. Um, there's like hundreds of them. Yeah, I love it. Um, but then it just goes to, into like believing in every single person that walks through my doors that they're capable of so much more. And, you know, there's people that don't believe in themselves enough that even if I believed in them, mm-hmm. they won't try it. And it's funny because it's like there's people that don't want to do it ever because it's hard. Right. But then in life, it's going to throw you hard shit anyway, whether you want to do it or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why don't intentionally do something hard? Prove to yourself that you're capable of doing something. And then whatever life throws at you, it's not as hard, you know? And that's like my theory now. It's like you intentionally put yourself in a position of, of pain, physical pain, right? Of Holy crap, I'm running 38 miles or whatever it is. And that was the farthest I've ever ran. Um, and you saw me that day. I mean, there was, I wasn't in pain at all because no, I was like, he could keep going. I, I definitely could have keep going. I, I catch felt, up with me. <laughs> yeah, it's all like, 62. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, or 63. I, well, and it's funny you yeah. say that because I already know I'm like, he's going to get a hundred K and I'm going to have to do a hundred miles now. Like yeah. just because he can't catch up with me or the hundred miler before the hundred K. So who knows? Okay. There we go. <laughs> Challenge is on. He's going to do a hundred miler with me. Accepted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then it goes into like now what, you know, cause I look at you not just as a client, right? I look at you as a really great friend and a dear love. A, I have a huge heart for you. Um, and then now not only, but your impact into others, right? Cause mm-hmm. she runs a team. She's an Arbonne executive. Executive, reg- Yeah. Regional vice president. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the, yeah, it's okay. Are. That's fine. Executive um, is fine. You know, and she runs a team, she runs these challenges and then she, you know, has not only that, but then has inspired our clients. She's like the local cheerleader, right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, I love your clients. Well, yeah. they're my clients too. I call uh, the other day. What did I say to you? <laughs> our, our, gym. Cl- our gym, yeah. our gym. I'm coming there for our, you know? Yeah. But that's, you know, my whole intention of this place is it's like a safe haven. Like mm-hmm. everybody goes to like their church. It's not the, the church of the pastor, right? It's mm-hmm. our church. And that's what I want this place to feel like. So I love that you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that everybody that comes in here feels like that they have some form of ownership because either that they've changed their life or we've helped them through a hard part of theirs, right? Because mm-hmm. people come here, they might just be here for weight loss, but who knows what's going on in their personal life? Who knows what struggles are dealing with in their own demons, their marriage life, their home life, their friend life, whatever it is. Um, and they come here and feel safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that that's where I'm so thankful because I can't, I, I never take credit for our, our community. It's just the combination of, people that are all on the same path. We just have different destinations, right? We always want to be better. And the people that stay are stay on that path with us. And the people that don't, they're just not ready to change yet. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's why it's like when I do new client interviews or, or somebody coming in, it's like they're interviewing us if they want to be here, but then we're also interviewing them if they're, if they're okay to be here. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I don't want to sell somebody something that they're not going to benefit from if they're not ready for it. Yeah. You know, and I think that watching you sign up, 
I remember it was like the first week or two we were doing the Spartan sprint and Castaic and you're like, I'm, I was like, you're going to do it. You're like, okay. And then a few days <laughs> later we went and did the Spartan ultra or like, or like after the event, you're yeah. like, I could do an ultra. And then we all signed up for the ultra. Yeah. Um, but and- it's kind of funny because it, it it's really interesting because I went like, like you said, the title is from obesity to basically ultra. And, um, that journey is really interesting when I was looking at the time of it, because literally I walked in here. It was, it was May that I walked in here. Um, and then we got in and then it was a good friend, Pilar, who actually inspired me to run a half marathon. Oh, which yeah. came. And so we, every day I would, Griffith Park. yeah, I would run with her like three times a week. That was it. That was mm-hmm. all I was doing at the time was three times a week. She's like, that's all you need to do. Rest the rest. Like she was right because <laughs> I killed that first half. And then I signed up with another one for her. it was like, I did two halves in like four to five months. Um, and I never ran ever. So, Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you guys. If you're listening in and you're like, I am not a runner. I never want to run. So another thing, you know how I told you guys I was looking in the mirror and I was saying, you know, to that person that was morbid obese, I would do the funniest thing and people actually to this day talk about it because um, like the twins have said stuff to me and they remember when we first started, I would run out at a Spartan because back in the old days, <laughs> Spartan used to have a lot of running in it, which I think is so great. I think we should bring that back. That part of it, it was really fun. But um, we would run a lot, like five miles within our Spartan class. And I'd be like, what the heck am I doing? But I would literally run that little five mile course, a three mile course, whatever it was offered. And I would literally say the words, I love running. I love running. And people would run by me. I would say it out loud. And they'd be like, what are you saying? And I'd say, I'm saying I love running. And they say, well, why are you saying that? I said, because honestly, I think the absolute opposite. And I will not speak that out. Mm. And to this day, when it comes to burpees or anything, like we have a funny joke. Burpees. Yeah, we have a funny <laughs> joke around and we'll be like, I love burpees. Like even when we're like doing a hundred of them, right? And you're like, uh, really? You know, but um, God, I love burpees. Yeah. <sighs> love burpees. Adam really does love burpees. I have not going to say what I feel about burpees because <laughs> we're just going to do them anyways. Yeah. Um, because it makes us stronger and better. But I wanted to tell you guys so you could paint that picture. So if you're coming in here or if you hear this, you can literally go from somebody who never ran to literally six months later running like their first marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy. Because that's what happened. Then March was the marathon. And while I was training to do the ultra yeah. in September. So it was like literally things and that was or LA. whatever that was. So May I started. November I did my first half. Maybe November, November, October. I think we did two of them. To prepare for our 5K Spartan, which now I look at it as kind of a joke. Yeah. But I mean, sorry. I shouldn't say that. It's a challenge, especially when you're brand new doing it. But when I did it, I was like, this is all this is. I could definitely do more. you know. Mm. And that's kind of why. I realized what my body could do. I never knew what I could do. Yeah. I didn't know I could do all that. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. It's so hard for me when I talk to people about goals and like setting goals and they were like, I want to lean out. I want to be fit. But it's like, why? Like Mm -hmm. if you have no purpose of using your body, a fit body for what it's purposely built to do, why do you want to be fit? Mm -hmm. You know, and like people don't understand that. And I think that's where the weight loss and diet world fails is because 
I have this quote and it's by the JFK quote. It's not what you can do. It's not what your country could do for you, but now it's what you're, you know, what you can do for your, your country. country. Yeah. But it's not what, it's not what you can do for your body because that's taking care of it. But now it's what your body can now bring back and do for you, you know? And it's like so many people are like, oh, I wish I can go on this hike. I'm, I'm in Hawaii. I want to go hike this, but they choose not to because they just feel like they physically can't. Mm-hmm. And that's why like I try to encourage people to do athletic events, whether 5k, 10k, hiking, it doesn't even need to be a running event, something that's challenging that they couldn't do being out of shape, mm-hmm. right? So if they want to paddleboard, if they want to go kayaking, if they want to learn how to surf, I mean, anything that's active in a position to where you've never done something like that, because then you're going to get that amazing sense of accomplishment. I mean, there's no better than a finish line period Mm -hmm. of setting out to do something that you wanted to do and then accomplishing it no matter how ugly it was, Mm -hmm. right? Because I can't tell any races or I'm like dragging my ass across that finish line. Like this sucks. Um, but I still feel accomplished, right? No matter how hard it is. And so, and I, and I, I'm trying to get that message across to a lot of people, but people just don't understand that. Right. Cause our bodies are built to move yeah. and our bodies are built to be challenged. Right. It's like, you go back to like having to hunt and gather for our foods. Like if you're out of shape, you know, you're, you're going to be eaten by that lion. That lion ain't going to be, or, you know, you're not going to be eating that lion. It's going to be eating you. But I think you do a really good job with that, to be honest with you. And it, it, the thing is at the end of the day, you can't make people do what you desire for them to do um right that's where codependent comes in uh yep <laughs> amen to that right yeah. um but you can inspire them and i think one thing that epic's been doing that i think is great is we've been doing our own races mm-hmm. and i think that's a great way to get your clients you know like hey, okay great well in five months we're doing this race you can do at least a 5k yeah. like i believe in you like you are so you know what i mean yeah and why not step it up to a half yeah but I think you do that very well. Yeah. And this is our third year doing this event. So we're celebrating our 13 year anniversary. So we're hosting 13 miles for 13 years. Um, and this is our third year because through COVID, we started hosting our own races because yeah. every other race was shut down. Yeah. Um, underground. <laughs> underground racing. Yeah. You know, oops. Um, but whatever. It doesn't matter. It's blown up right yeah. to a, an amazing community of people that are, would not run right now they have an opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves and then to prove to themselves that they're capable of doing something hard you know and i think yeah i don't try to push it anymore i'll tell you because i when i was younger and like brand new into running i'm like you need to do this race you need to do this you need People to do love that. hearing you need to totally that's favorite words to- yeah totally um <laughs> but then like it started kind of like meeting them at their level mm-hmm. and then eventually right because the more that you lead by example right because i can't tell you how many messages i got after i ran my 38 was like you've inspired me to go run a mile you're to just go out for a walk but isn't that what epic courage is all about one thousand percent i mean you're encouraging them to go to the next level it's you're, instilling you're encouraging courage, yeah. them instead of telling them totally and that's such a different approach that's the yeah. way we we that's what a good coach does right encourage and inspire so yeah and that's where it's like i want to meet them at their level but then again always believe that they're capable of so much more because that when they are ready they're like oh i want to try this i want to do this i want to do that i'm like yes let's do it not only will i support them but 90 percent of the time i'm doing it with them Mm -hmm. because i love that like i love the suffer and you know and there's i i don't know if i've talked about this but there's a fear bond right there's Mm -hmm. something that you do together in a group or with somebody else that you do something that's so scary and you have that bond for the rest of your life and i'll use this as an example i know it's a pretty shitty example but i was robbed at gunpoint when i was 17 years old with six of my friends and um we there's 
we have that bond that we survive this bad moment in our life together for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when we go back, when I hang out with, cause these are friends from like obviously 17, I was in high school. Like we, we always have that connection and that experience together that is unmatched. Right. So going through like a Spartan race, that's hard. Like big bear, big bear in 2018 is yeah. when I lost my, you lost your mind, my, my marbles, you lost your uh, marbles, lost my marbles that like, I have this bond with specific people that stayed with me through a hard moment. Right. And then still to this day, we talk about it, we joke about it. And now for this year, I'm going back to big bear to face that again. Oh, you got it. So I can conquer it. Because oh, I'm, in so a, oh it. I'm so over it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be killer. Yeah. It's going to be killer. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to do it. Um, but then again, like community plays such a huge role in these bonds, right? With people, because now me and you have this experience, not only marathon experiences together, but Spartan Ultra, which mm -hmm. was crazy, a, a snowstorm. So, I was just going to say, and they basically <laughs> pulled us off, uh, everybody off the course. I, if I'm real with you guys, had a challenge, challenge on that course, but what was so cool was that happened in September and then January I was like, Oh, we didn't get a real ultra. I'm going to go out and do a real ultra. And yeah. that's when I did Catalina. Yep. So a couple months later I was like, they're pulling people you know, off the course and there's lightning and I'm yep. struggling to find my course in my way, <laughs> totally. you know, okay. It turned into 27 miles for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I got to do a real 32 and actually Catalina is 33.1. So they have to throw in that little extra and it is challenging. It is hard, hard course. So yeah, um, nothing like a good challenge, I guess. Right. Yeah. But that just goes to show you like from where you were, right. Mm -hmm. Being, cause being obese and being in that mindset is super, I can't imagine how hard that is. I mean, I was 80 pounds overweight. Um, well 80, hold on. Where am I at now? 185. So I'm like, yeah, I'm about 80 pounds away from where I was at my biggest. And I couldn't imagine carrying all that extra weight. Yeah. Right? And it being, actually makes me emotional, like thinking about it. Yeah, but like that was a hard time in your life, right? And just yeah. like now we Super are hard. but now we are forcefully putting ourselves through hard things, <laughs> right? That are and I can't even say that they're hard because yeah. you lived with being obese for how long? How well, it was through my a lot of my beginning stages of marriage. So, um maybe because maybe five, six years. So that's five, six years of being at that weight to then running a 50K in Catalina, which Catalina is hilly, a ton of climbing. And that took you how long? My first race, I did like seven and a half, like seven and a half to a little bit more. Yeah. So put that in perspective, five plus years of being obese yeah. to seven and a half hours of running. Mm -hmm. Five yeah. and a half years. Yeah to seven hours of running. Yeah. And this is what I always go back to like equating some of the hard things that life throws at you that you don't have control over that you're going to get through anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's only two options. You survive or you die and you, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so you forcefully put yourself then in a position to do something hard seven and plus hours, right. To run 30, you said 33.1 miles. 33.1. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a little extra. Um, I don't know. Why I'd rather there be more than less, which is fine. Um, yes, that's true. Actually, you're <laughs> like, darn it, I'm not accomplished. Yeah. Um, but it just shows how far you are mentally, right, on what you know you're capable of doing, right. And then now you spew this onto your clients, onto our mm -hmm. clients, and like, as because people look up to you here, right? It's not you're not just one of them. You're now a what I would consider like a tribe leader, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. you lead, you live epic, you breathe epic, yeah. you support epic. I know epic. when you wrote, the two of my tribe leaders are at 
mm-hmm. um, Catalina. Catalina. This last this last one on, in January, we just ran another fifty k. Um, I don't know what the, why that just I don't know. I just warned my heart because I do look at the people at the Epic Tribe people as like my own and my family and I just love everybody here at this gym and I want to be an inspiration and I want to help them also feel inspired um you know whether some of them are my clients or whether they're just my friends or whether you know what I mean whatever that looks like I just it makes me happy yeah I mean but you are you're a shining light you're a woman of faith Mm -hmm. as well which is great and then not only that but then like your philanthropy that you're doing she's going to Nepal again for like what the third time uh, this will be my fourth. Fourth time to give back and to what are you doing exactly out there? So we work actually. Um, well, that's a whole nother story. But uh, about s- around the same time of when I was getting sober, I ended up starting like a nonprofit organization called Touch Nepal, working with another gentleman. Um, and we work with orphanage, um, leper colony, um, we work with some prostitution, like just different things. Wow. Um we, it's more about helping the people that are there, the workers that are there and helping them and, um, coming along the side of what they're already doing. So we're not necessarily creating any new thing. They're just supporting and pastors and a lot more of the, um, things that they're doing, but, but you're bringing your energy, you're bringing your faith, you're bringing your, your help, Yeah, which is, well, and it's funny that you say this too, because my heart's desire actually, when I did see Nepal and going there, it's one thing to go there, but it's another thing to actually support your ministry or the thing that you're working on. And so my heart's desire has always been that by helping people, even in nutrition, that that little bit what okay, let's be real, right? People pay for them to have those products or whatever, but that little bit I take and I actually use it to help this nonprofit organization as well. So I love that fact that I can give back. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I'm in fitness is because I was able to use fitness as a tool to change my life. And now I want to vomit it all over everybody <laughs> yeah. because it, it, it has literally saved my life, mm-hmm. you know? So to be able to give back in a safe, good environment, which is whether if it's money and, you know, cause we're part of our races, like we raise money to give back to our local community, um, which I'm very blessed to be able to do and have the impact in our local community that we do. Um, and that's local. I mean, you're going worldwide, which, you know, it's, Nepal's well, that, not, around the, not around the corner. No, and that's what's so cool about the local because I'm glad you mentioned that too because for a long time, I have been going into countries for a long time since I was little, probably 12 years old, in oh, and wow. out of countries, helping, serving, doing missions work as a, as a missionary type of work. I even was part of a mission space for a few years in my first, like, which is funny because it all kind of goes together in my marriage and stuff, but... All that to say that I was praying that God would bring me something in my own backyard. And so when it came to helping people with their health, like, isn't that what God would want? Like, it's yeah. our temple. It's like the best best service that anybody can Yeah, to watch somebody, yeah. like, start putting in pure products or pure nutrition and being educated and having their life changed. Yeah. And then they're like, I just, I'm down 10 pounds in, like, a couple of weeks and I feel amazing. And you get to watch them, like sparkle and shine all over again like where I was like I still see that image of that obese person because I literally was looking at your wall and like as if it was the mirror it was weird and like use your guys's imagination right like you know I, I'm probably around 135 140 now so imagine another 135 30 pounds on that wow. so you got to use your imagination right but what I'm saying is like looking at that person in the mirror um even now and just get to help somebody that was where I was at is really beautiful. I mean, 
whether it's 50 pounds, whether it's 15, right? So you understand, you relate. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, and this is really, you know, at this point now it's your life's work, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, this is what I'm doing. You pour into people, you inspire, right? And you don't even inspire by just talking, you inspire by showing. And I think that that's, you know, lead the best leaders lead from the front, mm-hmm. right? Versus like the bosses that point and say, go run a marathon. Cause I know you can, yeah. it's no, let's go run a marathon together. Right. And whether that marathon is in nutrition or whatever, um, and whatever part that is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think with your story, you're going to be able to impact so many people. Um, obviously, which is why I started this podcast because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not just now local, it's worldwide, which is amazing. Um, but just know that wherever you come from within your journey, just, just keep fighting that fight because the second that you feel gassed or you're tired or you can't break through this one moment, like there's always going to be a person that can help lift you up and inspire you to really just make that next, bring you up to that next level. Um, well, it's been a blessing. Yes. I freaking love you. I love you too. Yeah. This has been awesome. It's been awesome. I mean, I'm learning more about you than <laughs> yeah. I known you for six years. I didn't know half this stuff, yeah. um, which is great. Um, and so, okay. So if you can leave this, mm-hmm. if you're on your deathbed and you can leave one piece of advice that has helped you through the last, I'm not going to give you your age, the last years of your life, what would that, what would you want? Um, what would that advice be? Pray. Mm. Yeah. Pray because, you know, get to the place that you're so humbled that you know, it's, that it's not just you alone that is going to do it. You know, give something credit above yourself came to believe a power greater than myself will restore me to sanity. I mean, that's step one in the 12 steps. Massive. Massive. Well, I love you. I love you too. Thank you for joining me today. And um, I will post Christina's, all of her socials and stuff. If you guys want to follow her and get to know more about her story, but uh, this probably won't be the last time she's on here. because it (laughs) seems like we have a lot to unpack. Um, But thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being on. This is super fun and I will see you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Epic Podcast. If if you're still listening to this, that means you took something away from this episode. Make make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Becoming Epic. We'll see you next time. Fitness became a blessing. It's my secret weapon. I'm living every second.